You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Ellie Shannon explains updates in campus news, and I discuss a federal civil rights lawsuit against Loveland Police and COVID-19 variants in Larimer County. After that, Jonathan Gillum updates us on CSU Athletics, and then you'll be hearing a conversation between myself and a representative from the American Lung Association about their annual State of the Air report. Then, Coda explains how Joe Biden works to handle the climate crisis, as well as information on Derek Chauvin's trial and the conviction for the murder of George Floyd. After that, we're featuring Ellison Hubbard's interview with student-athlete Devin Phillips, and I'll be giving new information on COVID-19 cases, deaths, and vaccinations. To conclude the show, Coda will be giving some updates on reports of harassment at Google and how the U.S. is targeting ransomware. And I'll be telling you about how low-quality gelato could be illegal due to new Italian legislation. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hey, this is Ellie Shannon at KCSU, and I hope everyone is still doing well after coming back from spring break. On Thursday, we're celebrating Earth Day. CSU has one of the best sustainability programs in the nation, and recently CSU weed scientists are leading a new project with an international group of scientists and industry professionals. The project is aimed at improving management of weeds that are hardest to control in the world, according to Ann Manning of CSU's College of Agricultural Sciences. Many weeds are intractable and cause farmers and producers millions of dollars every year. Weeds can even build an immunity to herbicides, causing unsustainable practices to be used after this. The Genomics Consortium will complete 10 weed genomes within three years in close partnership with sponsoring company Corteva AgriScience to help learn the genetics of these extremely tolerant species. Results and information will be shared through annual conferences produced by USDA National Institute of Food and Agricultural Funding. The first conference is expected to be held September 22nd through 24th in Kansas City, Missouri, with in-person and virtual options. On April 21st, ASCSU Senate held a session discussing a variety of programs that can be instilled. ASCSU President Hannah Taylor presented a bill for the Good Neighbor Program. The bill is presented through off-campus life and promotes good property management, student renter support, and guidance. The director of off-campus life, Lindsay Mason, said this will significantly improve students' living experiences while off-campus. Another bill presented was to approve more funding for Rams Against Hunger. Alex Farias, ASCSU Chief Financial Officer, presented that $75,000 should be moved to Rams Against Hunger to improve the program. According to C.C. Taylor of the Collegian, Farias also presented a bill that would move almost $40,000 to help fund more for mental health on campus by also improving the app Headspace. If approved, more students will be able to access the app. Lastly, ASCSU Senate also approved a resolution to add more diversity and inclusion requirements to the ASCSU Constitution. More updates are to come on if these bills are approved or not in the future. Saliva tests are still available at Moby Arena Parking Lot, the Veterinary Teaching Hospital on South Campus, and Mac Gym in the Recreation Center. Register and schedule a time on RamWeb. Make sure to listen to the Rocky Mountain Review Tuesdays and Thursdays as well, and thanks for listening to my weekly newscasts. 
I'm Ellie Shannon, and you're listening to KCSU on 90.5 FM. Hello, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and this is your local news for today on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Larimer County is the Colorado County with the most cases of variant strains of COVID-19, and this may be contributing to increases in the total coronavirus cases. According to Sadie Swanson at the Coloradoan, Larimer County reports 488 cases of the B117 variant first detected in Britain, the most of any other county in Colorado, according to the state's COVID-19 data dashboard. El Paso County reports the second highest number at 289. Larimer County also reports 35 cases of the variant first detected in California, B1427 or B1429, and one case of the P1 variant first detected in Brazil, according to the state. The P1 variant case is associated with travel, which county epidemiologist Jared Olson says isn't as concerning. While Larimer County health officials believe the county may be through the worst of the fourth wave of the crisis, Olson says some of the county's recent coronavirus case increases can be attributed to the increased presence of variant strains in the community. The large number of variant cases in the county could be attributed to the county's ability to test every positive sample for potential variant strains through the CSU lab, a resource other counties might not have, Olson says. But Olson says he doesn't know if other counties are testing every positive sample for potential variant strains like Larimer County has the capacity to do. 24 out of Colorado's 64 counties have no reported variant cases on the state's county data dashboard. The B117 strain, quote, is a major variant of concern, end quote, because it's more transmissible than other variants and possibly causes more severe symptoms, Olson says. Olson says, quote, We certainly have concern for its role pushing up our cases. I do believe that it's very likely that the growth of B117 has been responsible, at least in part, for our case growth, end quote. Colorado Governor Jared Polis announced that four mass vaccination sites will be offering walk-in vaccines. According to Molly Bohannon at the Coloradoan, beginning Wednesday, the ranch in Loveland, the Colorado State Fairgrounds in Pueblo County, Ball Arena in Denver County, and the Grand Junction Convention Center in Mesa County will all accept walk-in or drive-in appointments. Polis said that allowing walk-in vaccinations is not indicative of the state having more supply than demand, but is an effort to reach those who have put off getting the vaccine but are not resistant to vaccination. Polis says, quote, For those of you who have been putting it off, now's the time to get it. Maybe you've thought, hey, I'm 24 and healthy. I want to get my, my elders to get it first. Well, guess what? Now it's your turn. End quote. As of April 20th, Polis estimates about half of adults in the state are at least partially vaccinated, but 50% of adults and all children under 16 are still susceptible to COVID-19. Polis says that until the state reaches herd immunity, which Polis says is between 70% and 80% of people being fully vaccinated, people should continue to wear masks and distance, saying, quote, We all want to experience the end of this pandemic, and the sooner that we can achieve the vaccination levels so that the virus has no place to go, no place to spread, the sooner we can get back to normal. The Ranch Events Complex in Loveland is open 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mondays through Saturdays. The Colorado State Fairgrounds in Pueblo is open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. all week long. The Ball Arena in Denver is open 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Mondays through Saturdays. The 8th Judicial District Attorney's Office has launched a criminal investigation into the Loveland police officer's 
involved in the arrest of an elderly disabled woman last summer that left her with multiple injuries. According to Sadie Swanson at the Coloradoan, a federal civil rights lawsuit filed last week alleges Loveland police officers Austin Hopp and Diara Gialli and Sergeant Philip Metzler used excessive force when they arrested Garner in June 2020 on suspicion of stealing under $14 worth of merchandise from Walmart. During the arrest, officers dislocated Garner's shoulder, fractured her arm, and sprained her wrist, according to the lawsuit filed by attorney Sarah Schneichel. Garner suffers from dementia and sensory aphasia, which impairs her ability to verbally communicate and understand others, Scheichel said in a news release this week. Eighth Judicial, uh, Eighth Judicial District Attorney Gordon McLaughlin said in a tweet Monday night that, quote, Upon seeing videos of the arrest of Karen Garner, I requested an incident investigation by our critical incident response team. The protocol is now in place. An unbiased, thorough, and transparent criminal investigation will be conducted. End quote. CIRT investigations are typically launched to investigate police shootings, but this multi-agency team can also be used to investigate other incidents where a member of the public is injured or killed by an incident involving law enforcement, like an allegation of excessive force or in-custody death at the Larimer County Jail. The arresting officer in the case, Hop, has been placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of the internal investigation. Loveland Police said in a statement released April 15th, July and Metzler have been reassigned to administrative du uh, duties. In the statement, Loveland Police said they launched the internal investigation after becoming aware of the excessive force allegations in the lawsuit Wednesday night. A Loveland Police Department's news release said that the agency was unaware of any complaints about Garner's arrest until the lawsuit was filed. The district attorney's office dismissed all charges against Garner in August 2020 under previous 8th Judicial District Attorney Cliff Rydell, according to a previous statement from the district attorney's office. Rydell was term-limited in the last election, and McLaughlin took office last in January. That's all the local news I have for today. My name is Ivy Winfrey. Coming up next, we have the RMR Sports Report. Stay tuned. Today, I'm joined by Joanna Strother from the American Lung Association to talk about the state of the air report. So uh, would you just mind introducing yourself for me with your credentials, just so that people are aware? Yes, my name is Joanna Strother, and I'm the Senior Director of Advocacy for the American Lung Association in Colorado. All right, thank you. And then the American Lung Association is preparing to release its state of the air report. So how does this show where Colorado, as well as the United States, ranks in terms of air quality? Sure. Well, the American Lung Association's 2021 State of the Air report shows that despite some nationwide progress on cleaning up air pollution, more than 40% of Americans live in unhealthy ozone or particle pollution cities or counties. 
And what we found in this year's report is that Denver ranks number eighth for most polluted city in the US. Um, we also rank pretty high when we see particle pollution across Denver. Um, as well as in Fort Collins, we saw more unhealthy days in this year's report um, for particle pollution. And um, when we looked into Fort Collins, we are ranked 17th for most polluted city for ozone. So quite a few air quality problems that we see across Colorado. Um, when we look at two of the most widespread air pollutants, so that's ozone and um, particle pollution. All right. And then what are some trends in terms of who's impacted the most by low air quality, at least in Colorado? Yeah, some of the most sensitive populations that would be most affected when air quality reaches unhealthy levels are people over 65, uh, children, because they spend most of their time outdoors, and of course their bodies and lungs are still growing. Um, of course, people that already have compromised um, lungs, like people with asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, but even people with um, cardiovascular disease can suffer from unhealthy air days. All right. And then how does poor air quality contribute to conditions like asthma and at times cancer? Yes. So when we look at um, particle pollution, we are specifically looking at PM 2.5 because it's an extremely fine particle that can lodge very deep down into the lungs. Um, and particle pollution can cause asthma attacks and um, breathing issues for those who have COPD. But particle pollution can also cause lung cancer. So something to be aware of. Um, when we look at ozone, ozone acts like a sunburn of the lungs. So people can have chronic um, coughing and shortness of breath when they breathe in unhealthy ozone as well. Definitely. And then are there any geographical communities that are also being most impacted, for example, low-income communities or communities that might be located near factories? Yeah, that's a great question. Communities of color are significantly more likely to be exposed to polluted air than white people. Um, and what we see is about people of color are 61% more likely than white people to live in a county with a failing grade of at least one of those pollutants that I mentioned. Um, communities of color are located near um, highways and freeways where we tend to see a lot of air pollution, but also near factories um, and you know electricity sources. Um, also people of color and in some communities use wood burning stoves to heat their home. Um, wood burning also causes some of that particle pollution that's not so healthy for us. All right. And then just looking to solutions, is it realistic for us to help fix those issues in those communities sooner than later? Yes, absolutely. And in this year's report, we're asking everyone to join us in calling on President Biden to promote environmental justice by prioritizing historically burdened communities from pollution cleanup and receive the benefits of investments into the transition of electric vehicles and clean, renewable electricity. And then what steps is the country currently taking towards improving air quality, especially as Biden has started to focus on some aspects of environmental justice? Yeah, I know that more is expected out from the Biden administration this week, so we're eagerly waiting. But we do know that um, increasing air quality standards, making them more stringent, would certainly help to protect us and clean up air pollution. Um, transitioning to electric vehicles and um, building in that infrastructure, investing in that infrastructure can certainly also help to clean up air. 
And then just investments in cleaner, more renewable energy will also help to clean up the air that we are breathing. Definitely. And then just kind of going back to that geographical idea, are there any states that are ranking significantly worse than others in terms of air pollution and air quality? Yeah, well, you know, we see a lot of the problems here in the Southwest. um, And certainly in California, most of their cities kind of rank on the top 10 for ozone a lot like LA. But we also have Phoenix ranking fifth this year. Their grade also changing. So Phoenix and Denver, um, Las Vegas, a lot of the cities, um, metropolitan cities you see here in the Southwest are suffering from poor air quality. Um, a lot having to do because we're in warmer temperatures, which um, definitely helps to create ozone. Um, climate change is a big issue we're seeing right now. Um, you know, warmer temperatures here in the Southwest as well are definitely adding to the issue. For sure. And then while this issue can't be changed overnight and fixed overnight, If it could, how do you think that that would change health outcomes for children and adults living in these impacted communities? Yeah, well, breathing in um, healthy air is certainly what we want to see across the country and making sure that most people are protected from these pollutants. We want um, everyone to be able to enjoy clean, fresh air. um, And we need to take some of these um, measures mentioned to do that. Um, everybody deserves the right to breathe clean, healthy air. And that's certainly what the American Lung Association is talking about with our 2021 State of the Air report. And then how is the American Lung Association supporting these efforts beyond just lobbying for them to improve these issues? Yeah, sure. We're working on the state and local efforts with our local lawmakers as well and city councilors. We're working with um, communities and partnerships um, across the state um, to make sure that you know, we're all investing, we all have a voice to raise, um, and making sure that people know that uh, air quality can impact your health. And for ways that they can get involved too. you know, people themselves um, can take measures by driving less, using less um, electricity, not burning wood or trash, those measures too. So individuals can help to clean up the air as well. Definitely. And then kind of relating to that, While you mentioned how people can take efforts to make sure that the air is cleaner, how can people protect themselves from the impacts of poor air quality? Sure, that's a great question. So um, people can check. uh, So our our report looks at data among a three-year time period. But if people want to know what the air quality is in real time, they can check their daily air pollution forecasts, you know, via a weather app or a news station um, and find out what the air quality is that day. Um, And if it's an unhealthy day, they can um, minimize their time um, outdoors and stay indoors. Certainly not exercising outdoors during those times would help protect them. Um, Children, making sure that our children aren't playing outside or also minimizing their time outdoors when those um, the air reaches those unhealthy levels. All right. And then that's all that I have for you. But is there anything else you'd like to add about the American Lung Association and this report? I think that, you know, if people want to um, have more information, our report does give county level data. They can go to our website at lung.org. Um, actually, Coda, one thing I did want to mention because I want to, uh, you know, let people know that it's all not all bad news in Colorado, that there are some cities that rank among the cleanest cities for year round particle pollution, um, which is Pueblo Canyon and Grand Junction, as well as Colorado Springs. So they rank on the cleanest cities list and we should give them kudos for that. Um, But we also have cities that rank for short-term particle pollution cleanest cities, which is Edwards, 
Glenwood Springs and Grand Junction as well. So um, great to see some of Colorado cities also on cleanest cities list. Definitely. And thanks again for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Again, that was Joanne Joanna Struther from the American Lung Association to talk about the annual state of the air report. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for Thursday. Republican Arizona Governor Doug Ducey voted to veto a bill which would have restricted children's access to LGBT education on Tuesday. According to the New York Times, Ducey vetoed this legislation due to it being what he called overly broad and vague. The bill passed on a party line on the Arizona legislature and would prevent students from learning about LGBTQ history or receiving information on HIV and AIDS without parental approval. Ducey said that aspects of the bill could, quote, lead to serious consequences, end quote. In a letter, the Arizona governor explained how a provision banning sex education before fifth grade could, quote, be misinterpreted by schools and result in standing in the way of important child abuse prevention education early grades for at-risk and vulnerable children, end quote. Schools in Arizona are already required to get parental permission for sex education, which isn't mandatory in the state. President Joe Biden holds a global summit Thursday related to combating the impacts of climate change with some of the world's worst polluters. According to Ellen Nickmeyer and Christina Larson at the Associated Press, Biden's goal is to convince the rest of the world that environmental progress is necessary and that the U.S. is willing and able to support itself and other nations in changing practices. In this summit, Biden pledges to cut coal and petroleum pollution in half and end all pollution from these sources by 2030. This is nearly double the voluntary target in the Paris Climate Agreement. The summit aims to explain the U.S.'s target to the rest of the world and invite them to the table regarding climate justice. Content warning, the following story discusses a government response to police brutality and is about a minute in length. Due to the prevalence in police violence against black people and other minority groups and its discussion in the media, this serves as a content warning for listeners of color who may want to avoid being overwhelmed by this type of content. The story is about a minute long, and as always, you can choose to listen to it later on Spotify or at kcsufm.com news. The Department of Justice launched an investigation into discrimination and excessive use of force within the Minneapolis Police Department. According to Kerry Johnson at National Public Radio, this comes one day after Derek Chauvin's conviction for the murder of George Floyd, a black man killed after Chauvin knelt on his neck and other officers chose not to intervene. 
The investigation aims to look into the patterns of discrimination and excessive force within Chauvin's former employer, and Biden hopes to build trust between law enforcement and communities through this. The investigation is separate from another federal inquiry related to the death of George Floyd, and Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey said to NPR that he sees this as an opportunity to create change and hold MPD officers accountable. One DOJ employee also said that the verdict from the murder trial fails to address systemic policing issues in Minneapolis, which this investigation aims to. That's all for national news. Now we're going to hear some of Ellison Hubbard's In the Trenches, where he speaks with a junior year student athlete on his experiences in the past year. In about 15 minutes, I'll be back with COVID-19 updates, so stay tuned. Welcome to In the Trenches with Ellison Hubbard. I am Ellison Hubbard. So this podcast is specialized to take a deep dive into the playing of defensive line. You know, I play defensive line for the Colorado State Rams. So it is my pleasure to give you guys a little inside of playing the defensive line, being in those trenches for four quarters. And now here I am with Devin Phillips, a senior, upcoming senior from Monroe, Louisiana. So you, you're the nose guard here for Colorado State. Yeah. How, how do you like playing down there in those trenches? I mean, in those trenches, it gets real. I love it. Physical. Yeah. A lot of contact. We're just out there having fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you got to be a pretty big dude to be down there, don't you? Yeah. You got to be pretty strong. Got to be able to stand stout. Yeah. What's your like bench max or squat max? Uh, my bench max, my personal record is 370 pounds. And then uh, I just hit my PR and squat this Ring, I think a 525 or something like that. So Okay, so yeah, pretty big dude down there in the trenches. <laughs> so Devin, I know you were a junior last year. And, you know, I was talking, to, well, you're still a junior, but, you know, in football terms, you were a junior last year, kind yeah. of a senior now. Um, Just, you know, I talked to Cam Barito, a freshman nose guard, and mm-hmm. he kind of told me his experience through COVID and playing football. Right. You know, kind of just take me through, you know, you're, you're about to enter your junior season, and it, it's the spring. You're still a sophomore at that spring. Just kind of take me through what happened when you were doing spring ball, and then it just got shut down. Um, I want to say when COVID hit during spring ball, it was kind of tough because we were just like early on in the spring just getting used to the new coaches, and yeah. uh, they were getting used to us. So we were really uh, – we just really wanted to show what we could do and just – play ball and then COVID hit and it was kind of hard because like everything was shut down and you didn't have access to like the facility or different uh spots to like work out so you had to do like at home stuff on your own mm-hmm. but it's just like um just had to manage it and uh make use with what you have you know yeah what you had at the time yeah and, and did you stay up here or did you go back home to Louisiana yeah I stayed up here for the most part I went to Florida for the first week of mm-hmm. spring break, and then I came back here, and I was here. So I just uh, did, like, at-home workouts and stuff and just ran around the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I know for me, I was doing push-ups and things like that, running yeah. around, doing jog, right. jogging and taking walks. So it, it was very difficult 
in a time like that. And then, of course, like you said, new coaches for you because yeah. you you had Bobo and right. the staff like that. And then now you had to learn a whole new defense. Was that a little tough for you? Uh, at first, coming in, I was like, I don't know. But then, like, just it just like it just took a lot of time and preparation and just focusing on uh, studying the defense and studying your position as well as other positions that you had to learn. Mm-hmm. And just uh, basically just repetition. Just uh, repeatedly going over the plays and doing them over and over again and get them like a feel for it in your head. Yeah, because you wasn't, you weren't really in person either. You kind of had to do that over, right? You know, like Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever. Right. And I want to say, uh, yeah, just basically, well, I want to say now we have to like we like as a D line, we uh like outside of the football when we're at home, we just like drawing the plays over and over again, like notebooks and stuff like that, just yeah to um basically learn it yourself mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, and it wasn't like that before. So this is all kind of new to do, right? You know, taking down notes the way you need to take down notes as a a D one athlete, and right. kind of I know it's a lot more pressure, especially with the coach we have, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's just a very aggressive guy, but <laughs> but he's getting you right, you yeah. Know? You know, so you you feel like you're getting better with him and his coaching, even though you kind of didn't get his full coaching because of this pandemic, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I know when when that hit and then you kind of had football kind of starting back up in June, mm-hmm. was that was that an easier transition for you or was it kind of hard to get back in that shape? I want to say it was an easier transition because, I mean, we came in and um, we all started out slow and then yeah. just like we just basically rebuilt it from the ground up. So, I mean, the transition wasn't wasn't bad. I mean, you know. I don't want to say I was out of shape, but you just yeah. had to get your win back, to get back in that football shape. Yeah, I got you because I know you, you're sitting at home. You kind of have hours <laughs> out of the day, right? you know, and you're just trying to figure out what, what am I going to do? I can't just work out all day mm-hmm. and run all day. Yeah, know? I want to say actually, well, I played a lot of basketball, I could say. Yeah. Outside at the mm-hmm. outside hoops. And then later on, like closer to the end of the summer, they took them down. So, I mean. I don't which know. Wasn't, yeah. Which wasn't even fun at right. that point. <laughs> so, you know, I talked to Cam about this, even though he was kind of new coming into all of the, you know, the issues going around the football team. Just right. kind of how did you handle that, even with trying to get back in the workout mode? Um, personally, I want to say, um, I don't know, to be honest. I just had to take that in mm-hmm. and then just process it yourself and just, Focus on, I wouldn't say what's best for you, but you got to focus on, like, what's best for everybody. Yeah. So you just had to, I mean, different people handle it in their own ways. I don't know. For me personally, I wouldn't know how I say I handle it, but I just took it day by day. Exactly. And just uh, took it one step at a time. Yeah, because you feel like you're about to lose your coaches, and they just got there. And, right. you, you know, you're learning everything. And even in your head, you're thinking you're going to have a fall season mm-hmm. at the time. But then it, it didn't even happen. Right. You know, and and my reaction I know is, why are they having a season but we're not? Right. You know, and I'm sure you've probably felt the same way, right? Yeah, you I did. Know, you know, you even you got that that team meeting mm-hmm. about that. You know, did you just were you just upset? Were you? Yeah, I want to say when the uh, got the announcement that the season wasn't happening at first, I want to say that was kind of like a down moment, not only for me but probably the whole team, and because uh, everybody was looking forward to the season and just. Getting being able to play ball because we were uh, just getting into fall camp and uh, we were just really getting into the mix of it and everybody was ready to showcase uh, what just 
the skills I, basically yeah. and yeah. things like that. Trying to trying to show that hey, I should be the starter, right. things like that. Mm-hmm. And then when the, you know, then you're like, okay, now now I'm I don't know what to do. I'm now in school, but right. now I don't have a season. Mm-hmm. And, and we were were we still working out at that time or what? I couldn't really. Yeah, I want to say we were still working out, and then uh, yeah, we were actually yeah, honestly yeah, we were working out, but. No, I want to really. say we were shut down for like a few weeks mm-hmm. before we actually got back into like the COVID test and actually getting back into like regular workouts every week yeah. or every day, you know. Yeah. I mean, those shutdowns were, were hard to yeah, deal with. Over long periods of time. Exactly. You're like, <laughs> okay, now we're getting back into shape. Oh, shut down. Oh, now we're getting back into shape, shut down. So it was like stuff. a up and down kind of road, you know. Yeah. But then you, you know, were you able to maintain through that and just keep going? Yeah, you just you just had to lock in and just push for it. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, just take it one day at a time, one step at a time, and then just you know, just take keep it as pushing. It yeah. So when 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 the season was finally put back on, I know your emotions were probably high, excited. You know, eight game season only in conference. Mm-hmm. Were you? How did? How were you able to juggle that in school? even though the season came back later than usual? Uh, I mean, school was probably rough. Mm-hmm. Well, not for the most part. It kind of got rough at the end, but it's just like you had to – well, we had practice in the morning, which mm-hmm. made it easier because you got the practice out the way and you just had the rest of the day to focus on school. So just that time, just being able to have practice in the morning, you don't have to worry about that like in the middle of the day. So yeah. you could just use that time to focus on school and get ahead on work and stuff like that. Yeah, and you said it was a little easier because I know – Practices used to be at two in the afternoon, all yeah, at six. I want to say like you had to juggle like school time and practice because you just you had to practice like you would work out in the morning, go mm-hmm. to school, then come back for practice, and still had time uh, after practice to go to study hall and stuff like that. So yeah. being able to just practice and get that out the way with meetings and everything early, and just having the rest of the day to focus on school that was good. That was good. So were you now that we're you know in the season about to start eight games first game was supposed to be new mexico right where you i know that was just a heartbreaker that they they had to cancel that game and you were practicing day after day after day right. i want to say uh yeah i mean it was COVID, so i mean not well yeah so it was like during the time of COVID, and like everybody knew that there was a possibility that you might not play every game or some games would be getting shut down so i took it as like uh yeah you're going to prepare for the game and be ready to play the game but if it does like just so happen to uh get shut down because of COVID you just had to put I mean there's nothing you could do about it or it was out of our control so you just had to put your head down and push forward towards the next game yeah but I just I just know it could be very heartbreaking you're getting ready to play because you only played four out of the eight yeah and and, you know one of them was on us yeah (laughs) and so I know just when you come in there you were just, you know, sad. Right. And did you, did you, were you able to play all the games or did you have any, like, did you ever get COVID or anything? Yeah, I want to say I got COVID a week of Air Force. So I missed the Air Force game and uh, actually a San Diego State game as well because of COVID because the after, well, I want to say after your quarantine time is up, you had to sit out an extra week because of like, I guess the doctor was checking for like something wrong with your heart, heart problems. Issues. You know? mm-hmm. And how and how did you handle that being at home? First off, let's just say was was COVID hard on you or? I want to say yeah, the symptoms were pretty bad and uh, it was just tough at first. Just uh, those symptoms, it's just 
I felt flu like I've never had the flu, but I guess that was where I guess that's what, that's it, what felt it felt like. like. So I mean, it's just uh just had to fight through it and just mm-hmm. uh you know push through it. Yeah, and then when you came back for Utah State, that was it. Was it a little tough getting back into shape? Yeah, I want to say like the uh the first few days, it was a little winded, mm-hmm. and then uh, I want to say after the first few days, just doing a little cardio before and after practice, just. Helped me out a little bit to uh, get back into that shape, and it just progressed as the days went on. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's tremendous. How you know you you can't you had COVID and you got hit by it in the season, and then you know you come back and then you think you're about to play that last game of the season, right. and then game just gets canceled like that. So you're kind of just you're you're bummed out. You're not, <laughs> you know, you're like I missed two games, and I'm here for the third. The, you know, my final one of my junior right. year, and then. So, but now you have your senior year coming up, and then right. are you feeling you feeling pretty good? Hopefully, COVID is cleared up. Fans back in the stands. I'm feeling pretty great about it because I want to say, yeah, fans back in the stands. Uh, yeah, COVID's clearing up, so I want to say it will be. I don't know. It just the atmosphere. Yeah, and uh, it'll just feel. I mean, football's football. I feel like. Exactly. I mean, every I love to play football. I know you love to play football, and just like, I mean, regardless. We're going to play ball. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, shoot, I thank you so much, Devin, for coming in and doing this interview with me, man. I appreciate you for having me. Of course. We got to learn a lot about nose guard and future (laughs) senior Devin Phillips. So I thank you all for tuning in for KCSU Sports. I'm Ellison Huffman. And as always, go get paid. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports nearly 3,200 cases of COVID-19 since May of 2020 among students, staff, and faculty of the university. Larimer County reports a high-risk score for COVID-19 with over 24,500 cases and 235 deaths. The county also reports 480 outbreaks and has vaccinated over 257,000 people for COVID-19. 145 new cases were reported Wednesday, and every day in the past two weeks saw at least 15 new daily cases. Additionally, two days in the past two weeks saw over 10% of administered tests for COVID-19 come back positive. The county's COVID-19 case rate rose to over 400 cases per 100,000 residents, with 41 COVID patients currently receiving treatment in area hospitals. Overall hospital utilization reached 72% Wednesday, and intensive care unit utilization is at 70%. The state of Colorado reports over 494,000 cases, along with over 6,300 deaths due to COVID-19. The state also reports over 4,700 outbreaks, and the state administered 216 million vaccinations so far, with 87.6 million Coloradans fully vaccinated, or over a quarter of the state's population. The United States reports a nationwide total of over 31.8 million cases of COVID-19 and nearly 570,000 deaths. 
27% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated, and 41% have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. The best methods in COVID-19 prevention for those not currently immune to the virus through vaccination include washing your hands regularly, using hand sanitizer, wearing face masks, including when you're around vaccinated individuals, and keeping social distance from others outside of your household. Information from this segment comes from CSU's COVID site, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the Centers for Disease Control, National Public Radio, and the New York Times. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins on 90.5 FM. We'll be right back. So stay tuned to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is Tech News for Thursday. Employees at Google report that gender discrimination and sexual harassment complaints were an issue at the tech giant, even long before the firing of notable AI researcher Timnit Gebru. According to Zoe Scheifer at The Verge, Gebru was terminated from her position in the middle of working on a paper discussing dangers associated with large language models. An employee spoke to reporters at Bloomberg to report allegations of sexual harassment and other issues faced by women at Google. Gabru and Margaret Mitchell report concerns to reported concerns to AI chief Jeff Dean regarding sexual harassment and addressed their concerns related to the treatment of women in Google research teams. Mitchell also said that she was refused a promotion as a result of quote nebulous complaints to HR about her personality end quote. Bloomberg says that Dean pushed back against the idea that women were being discriminated against her promotions and allowed the man accused of sexual misconduct to lead a project following this complaint. Social media app Parler expects to return to the Apple App Store in the next week. According to Rachel Treisman from National Public Radio, the conservative social media platform was largely removed from the internet and from mobile devices following the Capitol riots due to violent content. Apple agreed to reinstate Parler if it changes its moderation practices to protect others from violence and illegal activities. Parler is especially popular among the far right. Apple announced this reinstatement by responding to a query from Republican senators on the reasoning for the house suspension. Apple says that they requested for Parler to remove its violent content and gave them 24 hours to detail a plan on moderating this issue. Apple removed the app after Parler didn't provide a good plan for resolving the issue. The Department of Justice announced new efforts to increase digital security in relation to the U.S. electrical supply. According to Eric Rucker from the Associated Press, this is being included in Biden's infrastructure initiative and ransomware is a noteworthy issue after a slew of attacks from various foreign groups. In a staff memo, the acting attorney general, John Carlin, said, quote, ransomware can have devastating human and financial consequences. When criminals target critical infrastructure such as hospitals, utilities, and municipal networks, their activity jeopardizes the safety and health of Americans. The DOJ brought recent indictments related to ransomware against two Iranian nationals who targeted the cities of Atlanta, Georgia, and Newark, New Jersey. And previously dealt with programmers believed to be in North Korea creating a global ransomware campaign. The U.S. also recently imposed sanctions against Russia for related behavior. The task force expected to handle the issue of ransomware involves members of the DOJ's criminal and national security divisions. That's all for Tech News. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Now, for Weird News with Ivy Winfrey. Hello, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. 
Sometimes things need to be a little bit weird, so here's a few of the weirdest stories I've found from around the world today. Selling low-quality gelato could be illegal under a new proposed Italian law. According to Giada Simpano at the City Morning Herald, Italy is set to declare war on gelato sellers who pump compressed air into their mixtures to make them look fluffier, as the country seeks to defend the honor of its world-renowned gelato stands. Under proposals being considered by the Italian Senate, gelato producers who fail to meet strict quality measures such as limits on the amount of air added to the mixture could be hit with a fine of up to 10,000 euros, or about 15,000 US dollars. Socialist Senator Riccardo Nainzi, one of the bill's supporters, says, quote, Italian gelato is one of the gastronomic symbols of our country, along with pasta and pizza, but our laws do not preserve artisanal ice cream in producers who make it. The draft bill, which has been assigned to the Commerce and Tourism Commission in the Senate, also bans the use of certain cheap alternatives to fresh ingredients, such as artificial flavors, coloring, and hydrogenated fats. According to sector rules, ice cream should contain more than 30% air, which artisanal producers achieve by mixing certain ingredients vigorously. However, industrial gelato can sometimes be up to 80% compressed air, which has been pumped into the mixture. Critics say that this means consumers end up paying for air. According to official estimates, the frozen dessert sector has a business value of about $1.5 billion in Italy and represents one of the strongest Italian brands abroad. However, not all ice cream artisans agree that the new law would address the real problem. Alberto Mananese, one of Rome's mastery gelati, or gelato masters, and the owner of the well-known Galleria dei Gracchi, says the real issue is that producers will add up chemical additives into the mixer that reduce the quality, saying, quote, Pumping air into ice cream is possible just by using some ingredients instead of others. If you go through the list of ingredients, you'll see that the key one is often the last. The last thing you find in p- uh, pistachio ice cream is pistachio, then you have a problem. Polish animal welfare officers were called with a re- report of a mysterious animal lurking in a tree, only to find out it was actually a croissant. According to the BBC, the Krakow Animal Welfare Society in Krakow, Poland, wrote on Facebook in early April about a call it had received from a woman calling them for assistance with an animal that had been stuck in a tree next to her apartment building for two or three days. The woman reportedly claimed that the people in the apartment building were refusing to open their windows for fear the animal would climb into their house. The officers asked if the animal could be a bird of prey, to which the caller responded that it appeared to resemble an iguana. Although inspectors knew that it was unlikely that a reptile would survive the cool spring temperatures in the southern Polish city, they wondered if the animal could have been an unwanted pet abandoned by its owners. Arriving on the scene, however, the inspectors found the headless and limbless object in a liliac tree, a pastry, probably thrown out of a window to feed the birds. The organization remained lighthearted about the encounter and said that the public should continue to err on the side of caution and report any concerns about animal welfare. The former Australian Prime Minister was briefly mistaken for an Uber driver by a group of drunk strangers, but decided to give them a ride anyways. According to Andrew Kowei at Mothership News, former Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd had just dropped his family off at a restaurant before attempting to find a parking spot. According to a Twitter thread by Rudd's daughter Jessica, the quote, lovely but tipsy crew, end quote, had been at the same restaurant and had apparently been drinking heavily and had piled into his car. Rudd confirmed the story told by his daughter and said that he ended up giving them the ride home after they offered to pay him, 
but he didn't take the money. His daughter said that they didn't even know what they were riding home with the former prime minister until halfway through the trip. That's all the weird news I have for today. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. And now for the weather. Today, the Fort Collins area saw warmer temperatures than those experienced earlier this week with a high of 52 and a low of 32, with a little under a 20% chance of rain and 8 mile per hour winds. Friday, rain showers will make their way into the area with a high of 53 and a low of 32, and Saturday will dry up and warm up to a high of 62 and a low of 41, and partly cloudy skies. Sunday will be even warmer with a high of 72 and a low of 46, and Monday will continue the trend with a high of 70 and a low of 42. Tuesday breaks the trend with a high of 52 and a low of 37, along with high wind speeds and a 40% chance of rain. And for Wednesday, you'll have to tune in to Tuesday's episode of the Rocky Mountain Review from 4 to 5 p.m. only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Today's information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Thomas Taylor, Asher Corrin, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Elliot Hutchinson, Matt Guzmarati, Lindsay Johnson, Sam Benefe, Maddie Erskine, Samuel Bailey, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mount Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>